podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's happening everyone and welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm your host this week, I'm Derek Kernahan and today we are discussing one-time champions. Now before I introduce my panel, just to let you all know where you can find us on all good social media outlets such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, I am at Suplex Retweet. Go and check us out there guys as well. Um, now we'll have a chat about the panel now. I'm doing something a bit different, I know that we're usually pretty what can I say, when we're pretty harsh when we're introducing the panels, but because this is one-time champions, I'm going to do something I've never done before, and that's been nice about you guys. So, I know, I know, so I'm turning it round a wee bit here because this is a one-off. Um, so, first panellist, one of the newest guys in the team, and he settled into the team like a duck to water. It's Daniel Campbell. Daniel, how are you? Well, thank you very much. That's actually a very... Very nice intro compared to some I've had before from others. Uh, feeling pretty good tonight. Uh, Quiz Show Den 3 went up just there, so yeah, I'm pretty pleased with that. Good man. Doing well? Ah, not bad. I've got a few days off from work, so I'm looking forward to relaxing. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Excellent. Now, the next panelist, he's such a good guy that when Stephen met his future wife, Laura, even though he had dibs on her, he let her have him. Mm-hmm. It's this good man here, it's Mr. David Hockney. Dave, how are you, buddy? Um, I'm not really sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're an all-round good guy. So... All right, yes, I'll take... It sort of is like a, a, bit, a mixture of the two. But you know what, I'm not complaining. I've got a three-day week ahead, so I think it's uh, it's only fair that I, uh, we keep the spirits keep the spirits up. Good man, and you're doing well? I am surviving, more good. or less. <laughs> I'm working from home. Yeah, still am. Standard for us, mate. Standard, but you're doing all right. Yep, yep. Coping, coping at the very least. It's good to hear it. And the last panelist, this really pains me to be nice about this guy. But let's face it, he is one of these good guys. It's my big brother. It's Gary Kernahan. Gary, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, loving this new format. Loving the new shows here on ESSR or feature show. We've had some great topics, and um, I won the debate of the greatest general managers. I'm looking forward to winning the group debate on the best one-time champions tonight well, just don't forget I won the worst general managers you <laughs> <laughs> did actually yeah yep. like no one beats a laptop <laughs> <laughs> so just as Gary was saying there what we're going to do is if all of us are going to have our, our well, we've all picked our, our favourite one-time champions and we're going to have a chat about them and how how we like them so much so without further ado the first one we're going to talk is Dan Dan who have you picked mate? So you look at the, if you look at the list of people who have only been WWE champion once there's actually a few surprising names there and yep. there, there is one name that even though they were champion only once it was a memorable reign just for how it started and just the, the good feeling you got when they became champion and that pick is Latino Heat Eddie Guerrero. Mm. Now, it's going out. back, going back to what happened with Eddie. So, we're we're 2004. 
Eddie has just came off a US title run. He lost it to the Big Show at No Mercy 2003. And he can it goes through his storyline with Chavo going into the Royal Rumble. And then after the Rumble event itself, uh, obviously Chris Benoit has won the Rumble. Spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen it. And uh, jumps over to Raw to go for Triple H's World Heavyweight title. So of course, Brock Lesnar doesn't have a challenger at this point for the next wee while. So general manager Paul Heyman decides to organize a SmackDown Rumble. 15 men and they would go at it to see who would become the number one contender. The last man standing after I believe eliminating Kurt Angle was Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And Eddie it's your it's like your early it's one it's one of those examples of an underdog story being done very well. Yeah. The Attitude Era had the Mick Foley storyline. Obviously, the more current era has had Daniel Bryan and more recently Kofi Kingston. And now, in the Ruthless Aggression era, we had Eddie Guerrero. So it was David versus Goliath. It was booked to perfection. There was the added sprinkle of another person who Brock Lesnar was having a deal with at that point, and that was Bill Goldberg, who uh, Sheriff Austin had given him a ticket to no, to no Way Out and said, don't do anything I wouldn't do which is the best advice that Stone Cold Steve Austin can ever give to anyone. So, Eddie and Lesnar have a pretty damn good match, from, from what I recall. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I remember the match being pretty good. And it gets to the point where Lesnar... Well, the ref is the ref is down, because in all good main events, the ref goes down. It's just... It's a, it's a rule of thumb. Uh, the ref goes down. Lesnar is about, I believe, to use the WWE title on... Eddie, when Goldberg, who had already been removed from the building by this point, managed to get back in and spears Lesnar out his boots. I might be making that last detail up. You can go back and watch it and find out. So, you, Eddie takes the belt, clocks Lesnar over it, hits the frog splash. One, two, three, and the pop he got was just incredible. That pop, Daniel, I think that ranks up there with some of the, mm. the best reactions that you've ever seen, the outpouring of emotion. People loved it. I think it's up there with Mick Foley's title in, who you oh, mentioned yeah. earlier on. Yeah. I, it was just amazing. Yeah, uh, the- I concur. It was like it was absolutely outstanding. And uh, I think the fact that this wasn't a WrestleMania moment, I think this this could easily... was This was like its own WrestleMania moment in of itself that wasn't at WrestleMania. And absolutely. It's just, and as the guys have said, you know, Eddie Guerrero is one of those guys who was universally adored for like best part of a decade uh, in the industry. And I think they, I think they all realised, you know, it's been a, it was a long time coming for Eddie. You know, he'd gone through a lot of personal battles, and to see him, you know, get this achievement at this point of his career, I think it completely did justice to everything he went through. And uh, it ranks above everything else he achieved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dan, question for you: Before mm. he's he's untimely death, would you have seen Eddie, you know, having the title again? Well, according to the plans that were being rumored around that point, Batista got injured around the time of Survivor Series 2005, so the plan was for Eddie to take the title. So yeah. he was going to win. I believe it was going to be a triple threat: him, Batista, and Randy. On, on SmackDown, I think a UK episode actually. Yep. And Eddie was going to take the title, and he would just hold it in the interim until you know either Batista was better or just go forward with it. 
I think there's rumored storyline that year for WrestleMania was going to be Shawn Michaels. And imagine Eddie and Michaels for the title at WrestleMania. That yeah. was golden right there. I actually uh, heard a yeah, I heard a lot of those rumors were to be uh uh, I concur with what they were going to say, but I think Eddie was in line for another world title match to, you know, give Batista time off to recover. But can you imagine Eddie Guerrero, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania? Like, and the year prior, it was Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels. Like, mm-hmm. that's Mr. WrestleMania with two of the greatest competitors of all time. It's that would yeah. have been an absolute steal. Don't forget yeah. Ray and Eddie opening Mania 21 as well. That was fantastic. Still one of the best opening matches ever. Oh yeah. You see, you can cut Gary with him. Absolutely, I think there's some really interesting points there. Um, but yeah, the, the rumor uh, uh, is and was that Eddie would have was in line to become for a second championship ring. Was that the World Heavyweight Championship? Uh, the- it would have been the World Heavyweight title. So it would have been his, his first yeah. ring with that. Yeah. So he uh, and that's going to be one of the interesting things that come up as we go through this show tonight because we, you know we're probably focusing on the WWE Championship and there's some names in there that are multiple time world champions but have only held the WWE championship which I think is fair it's not too controversial to say that is the yeah. richest prize in the sport mm-hmm. uh, there's some people that have held had multiple reigns yeah. but only once with the WWE championship and um, Eddie uh, uh, if the tragedy the hadn't occurred I'm sure he'd have gone on to be a multi-time champion but the mark he made because as Dan said you know he picked up the title in February at No Way Out and he dropped the championship in June of June so a relatively short title in February March April May June you know five months um, uh, he held the belt for it yeah. wasn't a long time but we remember it yeah definitely mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a point you remember everything that that Eddie done and just how good a wrestler he was you know everything from being the sneaky dastardly wrestler to you know <laughs> when the, when the pop that he got as well was just incredible that night like you said Dan yeah um, totally incredible so he's definitely he's definitely a good one he, he picked Dan so you've done well there mate definitely good good choice for you oh, thank you good choice right so next up Mr Hockney who's yes. your pick I'm actually going to go with. I'm going to switch gears a bit uh, because we're going from someone who was universally loved by the audience, and I'm going to pick somebody who was universally disliked by the audience. I won't say hated because hate was a strong word, uh, but I'm going to go with somebody who, right from the word go, fans just did not like this person. But as the years went on, you know, he started winning championships, he started getting big wins, and then he eventually won his first WWE championship on the post Survivor Series Raw in 2010. I am talking about the Miz. Really? Yes, really. Really? Yes, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I have to admit, I wasn't a huge fan of The Miz at first because I first time I saw him on WWE TV was part of that 2004 Tough Enough competition hosted by Al Snow. He didn't win it, but he was runner up. And I think it it wasn't in 2005. Uh, he He didn't show up then, but in 2006, he was sort of given the role as the SmackDown host, as it were. And he just floundered in the role you know he was botching presentations he was botching promos and it was was you're forgetting the diva search (laughs) oh no there's a reason i didn't get it there's a reason yeah there's a reason i don't mention the diva search competition because it was oh it was rotten 
he is one of the best. He's gone on to be one of the best speakers in the game. Mm-hmm. And you're quite right because back then he was fumbling all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this was a guy who started from you know humble beginnings. You know, he was humbled by a lot of people. Uh, one story I liked in particular about him was Chris Benoit. Uh, he was in the locker room and he ate like some chicken wings or some crispy chicken over Benoit's sports bag and he ended up getting kicked out of the locker room as a result so he was not liked backstage uh, but then when he started winning like tag team championships and stuff with John Morrison or, and stuff I thought okay maybe maybe this could be the start of something and then as he sort of progressed into the singles run he, he won the United States Championship I'm thinking alright this guy's, you know, he's actually getting better now. I'm going to keep an eye on him. And then all of a sudden he changes his theme music and I immediately fall in love with him. Like, uh, that, all, all he had to do was change his theme music and get a bit more credibility in the ring. And honestly, I, I became a massive fan of him. I even had the, the Fohawk hairstyle at the Danger I'm Awesome You're Not t-shirt. And see when he won the, the Money in the Bank contract that year, I was ecstatic because... It was, it was like, you know, he's been universally hated for years and yet all he does is keep on winning, winning and winning more and more prestigious accolades. And then when he does that cash in against Randy Orton, oh my gosh, it was uh, such a breath of fresh air to know that this guy who at the very bottom was a MTV reality star, uh, a tough enough runner up, you know, many people didn't think he would get that far. And there he is sitting at the top of the mountain on Raw as WWE Champion. I could not help but be impressed with how much he progressed over time. And all while still being universally hated by the audience. It's like, you know, the majority of the crowd can hate him. I don't mind that. I'm, gonna, I'm still, I'm still going to cheer for him. And that's what really admires me about, you know, The Miz is the fact he came from practically nothing, knowing absolutely... Like having no training whatsoever in a WWE ring, and he's worked all his, he's worked his way up to become WWE champion. He even went on to main event WrestleMania and defeat John Cena. Albeit yeah. it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't a great WrestleMania, but he, with his amazing promo skills, he will, you know, he'll be shouting from the rafters about that for the rest of his life. He was in the main event and he won. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that you mentioned there, Dave, as well. The first time that I'm, I ever seen them is was on the Real World. Mm-hmm. Um, the MTV show that was the first time I seen him and I remember it specifically it was in 2001 and I remember it I used to watch it and I remember it because he was such a douchebag on it you know, <laughs> he was he was he was terrible he was so bad he was like everybody hated him on the show when they all stayed in this in, in, in the house and then you know I was watching few years you know watching the rest watching um, Raw or whatever Smackdown whatever it was and then the next minute you see him come down and I'm like I know his face from somewhere Mm-hmm. And you're totally right. From what he's, from what he's done, from then to now, well, even winning the belt and still now, still in the company as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's he's done well, Gary. What about the Miz for you? Um, I think the Miz is a great show. I, I, I agree with Dave actually, um, and it's a sense I didn't think I'd say. Um, <laughs> I thought his cash was great. I thought his character work was and is fantastic because in the real world he he had already to develop his persona yeah. before he arrived in WWE. So what he was able to do is turn up the volume. And you've seen m- many people come to WWE that were very good technically, but didn't have the personality. 
and took them away or to find out who who they were. He, you know, the, one of the greatest of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. When he came into WWE, he was not that character. Was the Miz had been working on that character for some time, and I think Dave talked about the evolution of the Miz because uh, when he went f- on to Raw. Uh, he you know he changed up his look. He ditched the three-quarter length shorts at one point and sort of wore more serious ring gear. So he just you know that little changing of the the presentation made him feel different, made him feel fresher. I made him more legitimate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's I think he, he he's underrated in terms of some of his ring work. He's phenomenal in the mic. He probably you know he was overshadowed in that WrestleMania main event, but he can take that to his grave that he was in the WrestleMania main event. He he's done something that very few people have have done. And yes, he was overshadowed by John Cena and The Rock and it became part of their their story. But that's happened to many other people over over the years as yeah. well. I think um Miz is another one that could have in my view and should have in my view had been a multiple time champion by now. I think WWE missed the boat with him uh, when he came when he was in that feud with Shane McMahon. Uh, and we t- I think we talked about this when we did our profile piece or, on the Miz as well. They missed the boat. They decided to push Shane McMahon at the expense of the Miz. And I think Miz could have gone on and been, you know, at that time a very popular champion. And even indeed when he went on to feud with Daniel Bryan. Uh, and they could have, you know, the, the roles had maybe flipped. They, then they mm. could have had a great program. So yeah. I think Miz is somebody that's always made the most of what he's been giving. But I think he's another one that really should and could have been yeah. a multiple-time mm. champion. I, Dan, think he, I think he could have had a an excellent feud with AJ Styles. You know, you've got the best wrestler in the world going against the best talker in the business. But I suppose to compliment, you know, the fact that he's not had another world title since. I mean, eight-time Intercontinental Champion from 2012 to now. I mean, it's a. I think it's a pretty decent substitute. Mm. Do you, do Dan? Question for you: Do you ever see the Miz being champion again, like heavyweight champion again? I think they'd be fools not to put the title on Miz again, because you look at like Miz made a very good point on uh, the Talking Smack episode he did with Daniel Bryan. That's now gone down as one of his best promos in history. The Miz has managed to go so long and rarely ever get seriously injured yeah. like he's he's had he's had the odd concussion that is it he's yeah. been able to continue working at such a high level every match he does you can see it's him trying to do the best he can in terms of his time as champion at first obviously like we said overshadowed by circumstances the rock cena and then the the the, the, the booking of john cena back then the worst offender of which I will say is the I Quit match uh, over the limit that year, where it's basically 30 minutes of John Cena getting his ass handed to him by Miz and Alex Riley, and then within three minutes he beats both of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Miz, Miz can do so much better. And I just remember there, like, uh, so Dave was saying about the whole, you know, having the haircut and the t shirt and stuff. I still remember him saying that on the character changes show we did a few months before lockdown started and the look on Jack Graham's face when he heard it all. <laughs> <laughs> I still have the photo of that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we did a caption this on our Twitter feed as well, but you know, we see, did, if you yeah. dig, see if you can dig that out. Yeah, where'd you think where'd you think I got the photo of his face for that uh, box office draw graphic on Quest Showdown? <laughs> that was his face. Yeah. Oh my god. 
yeah, and the bus. <laughs> Uh, there's a wee plug for quiz show down there, just see find out what to expect. Now, do you see that the thing that sort of worries me about the Miz now is he sort of he's in the John Morrison now, he's sort of in this tag team sort of bracket now. Do you see him getting away from that, Dave, and sort of pushing? Um, it's kind of difficult to say at this stage because you know, Miz is. You know, he's obviously ages catching up to him a bit, maybe not be as competing as much. He's more cutting promos and backstage segments with Morrison now. And I think this was kind of the issue they had back in 2009 when they split up eventually, because they were, you know, Morrison was Intercontinental Champion, Miz was United States Champion. But the management seemed to move towards the Miz and stuff because he was a much more interesting character. I think they could still do that today, but whether it's worthy of a world title feud, um, I think it's still a bit up in the air at this stage. Yeah. Well, the Miz, it's an interesting point, Dave, because Miz has been around for some time now. I think he debuted in 2003, so he's on a 17-year mm. career now. Yep. He turns 40, he's 40 this October. Um, now, he looks in phenomenal shape and, as you say, has been lucky with injuries. So one has to think this, you know, he has still got miles left in the clock, but he's mm. not going to go on forever. And the clock is ticking. Uh, I remember on the Authority Figures show we did uh, that I think somebody suggested that The Miz could have a potential role as a, as, a, as an Authority Figure or a General Manager. Oh, I think I'd love, love to see that. Yeah, that'd be excellent. He'd be amazing at that. He certainly yes. could hope he'd go in verbally. It's, it's actually, one of those... It's, been, it's one of those art imitates life because it, it has been uh, featured in one of the WWE 2K games before. Mm-hmm. There's... Oh, uh, what I would love as well is just like the like all the heels and the baby faces are arguing back in the ring, and the Miz for like the first time in ages busts out. When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, question for you before we before we move on to the next one. Um, you know, like like Gary said, he's, he's obviously in great shape and stuff like that. We know that he could do it, but do you think that they will? Give him another the title push, so we'll start with Dave here. Yes or no answer, Dave? It's a reluctant no. No. Gary? I think so, yes. Yeah, I think so, yes. Dan? Yeah. Yeah, so, so yes. I think, yes, they, they could as well, so... I'm, I hope he does, but I'm not sure yeah, we'll yeah. go with it. Yeah, yeah. So, that's a good one, Dave. Nice one. Nice mm-hmm. one for the biz. So, now it's my choice. I am taking news back to the early 90s when I, this was my time at wrestling, um, so I'm going for the Ultimate Warrior. Um, very surprised, I was, when I was looking into it, I was shocked that he only had it once, um, more than anything, but he did hold it for 293 days during that time, so he did hold it for quite a while during that. Um, Ultimate Warrior was in the WWF from 1987 to 91. And then he left, and he came back in '92 again for a few years as well. Um, won the belt from um, Hogan at WrestleMania Six at the Sky Dome in Toronto. And uh, that match was epic. Yeah, yeah still regarded as one of the best WrestleMania yeah. matches ever. Um, those guys, it was just too. They were the, the faces of the company then. They were absolutely megastars. They were megastars, yeah, going against each other. And we, we, we got a sneak peek before it of um, what was going to happen when the two of them ended up in the ring together at the 90 Rumble. 
we talked about this in our Ultimate Warrior show, Derek, and when you look back at that, they did very little, uh, but they didn't need to do much. It just gave you a taste of it. And you know, never has anybody been more disappointed to see the barbarian come out <laughs> uh, as he did then. But you know that moment, had, and that's one of the one of the big criticisms of Hogan is Hogan can't work, but wrestling's performing, and Hogan was a master at taking the crowd and working an audience. Yeah. And that day in Toronto at Skydome, the atmosphere in the crowd. You know, part of the audience loved Hogan, the other part loved Warrior, and they, they whipped the crowd up to a frenzy between them. And actually, the match went on for like over 20 minutes, and for two guys that are, you know, one of the criticism is that they can't work those types of matches. They were in there a long time, and, and the following year at Mania, Warrior did another long match against Macho Man. Yeah, yeah. So this, the match that they had um, in WrestleMania 6 was called the Ultimate Challenge because at the time, Warrior was the IC champ and Hogan was the heavyweight champ and whoever won got the two belts, which is the first time that ever happened mm-hmm. um, at that point in, in the history um, in the, WWE, um, the WWF. So Warrior won, won the title, held it for a while, had a few challenges. He, um, he, had, he, had, a, he had a few... He had a match with um, Savage. He had, he, he, had a few, he had a few things, and then he lost it um, and, um, against Summers. No, sorry, he lost it to Sergeant Slaughter, who at the time was a massive heel at the time because of the whole warrior took the stage of being, you know, anti-American when the Gulf War was happening and stuff like that. And he had he got so much heat slaughtered at the time, didn't he? And it was mm. ended up working out well because during that time, Slaughter got the belt, didn't hold it for very long, hold it for a few months, and then Hogan beat him. Hogan coming out with his American flag and stuff like that as well. Um, mm. One of the interesting things, like I said, Warrior only had it for, you know, he only held it once. And Dan, are you quite surprised about that? Given the the way it was back then, I'll be honest, I did think Hulk, like Warrior had it more. Yeah. But then, looking back then, this was during the point where Hogan had quite a grip on the title. Yeah. And... I was going to say about the match, the only thing that ruins it for me is Hogan kicking out a three. That's yeah. the only thing that ruins it for me. Yeah, that's 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 one of the bad things about it. I think for me, um, Warrior's run was a wee bit underwhelming mm. for the champion because he, he went on to feud with Rick Rude and I know the reason he was put with Rick Rude is that they know that Rude would get good performances out of them. But we'd seen that before so it wasn't a new yeah. feud so I, yeah. I, th- I thought that was a wee bit like I've seen this before you know uh, yes it's for a different belt but we've, we've been here done that um, I'd like to see them do something a bit fresher uh, I remember when he lost the belt at the Royal Rumble um, to Slaughter because the Macho Man hit on the Macho King rather yep. hit him in the head with a scepter and it smashed, um, and it looked absolutely brutal. Now, by today's standards, probably not much, but you didn't see those things often back then. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the things that surprised me when I was looking into this um, is that Warrior, I don't think, got another title shot until SummerSlam 1992. I was just about to say that, yeah. SummerSlam 92, he beat Savage, but it was a count-out. He won the bit and he never got yeah. it. Mm. Um, there was a point that when he did return, in 90, after after that, they were supposed to get a, t- a title a title run, but it never happened because it 
coincided with the the, the American government's locked uh, crackdown on steroid use in wrestling. And Warrior was very open about his use of steroids and drugs during during his time in, in the WWF as well, which ended up leading to him leaving the company as well. Mm. Um, Dave, do you think the Warrior should have got more tight? Do you, do you think, are you quite surprised that he's only got one? Did you expect him expect to see more than that? I expected at least a few, yeah, because we know, as the guys mentioned, you know, Hogan, you know, he was basically the 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 one making the calls during that time yep. in the nineties and stuff. But I do get the I have you know heard the stories about how Ultimate Warrior was uh, was very unprofessional backstage. You know, he he riled a lot of people up the wrong way, and maybe that was just management's uh, you know very discreet method of, uh, of punishing him as not making him the world champion. But see when he. He brought the character out on stage. You could see how many people adored him. And I think, yeah. you know, they were sort of put into a tight spot when they said, like, right, this guy needs to be carried forward as a world champion. And it's a, it is a shame because, you know, he seemed, you know, he's, he was one of those larger-than-life characters you couldn't help but fall in love with. But, you know, behind the scenes, you know, it was insane how much he was disliked. But what I do remember about his title reign, did he not uh, give the, the championship a purple strap? Yeah, he did, and it looked yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> it looked I mean, awesome. I, it did look pretty, pretty cool because it suited his character. Like, yeah. he's the only one who could pull that off. Um, but yeah, with the number of, with the number of reigns he had, like you know, even though it was one lengthy one, I still think he probably should have uh, had another yeah. more because he easily could have had another, you know, WrestleMania made event. In yeah, there. one of the good things I like about, you know, the WrestleMania six match was, like I said, Warrior had IC title, Hogan had the, the heavyweight. When Warrior won the belt, he dropped the IC title, and then that led to a tournament, the Mr. Perfect one. Mm. So it ended up being the birth of these new guys like Perfect, Brett, Texas Tornado, and all that coming through and challenging for the Intercontinental title, which was so good and refreshing to see at the time um, as well. And like like you were saying as well, Dave, one of the things about the Warrior was when when you heard the music, the place when the, you know, the crowd went mental, you know, do 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 it, it, you know, he messed about with the ropes and stuff like that. He was, he was sensational. Yeah, and, he, he, see when he came out, you know, he looked like he just downed like a six pack of Red Bull before coming out, and, yeah. and the results were uh, were clear, his clear eye. Yep, <laughs> and the way he was, the way he was shaking the ropes as well. You, you'd think like, oh my god, this guy's not done a six pack. He's done a twelve pack. Yep. Nice. So he's nah, like twenty four pack. <laughs> So Warrior was Warrior's my pick. I think it's a good one as well. Very surprising that he only had um, one title reign, like most of like all the guys we're talking about um, tonight as well. So the next one we're going to go into is Gary's pick. Gary, who have you picked? My pick for the greatest one-time WWE champion is the wrestling god JBL. Mm. Um, so JBL. Um, debuted in January 1996 and he spent a lot of time with the lower mid-card. You know, some of his early runs are not particularly well remembered as Justin Hawk Bradshaw and a member of the new Blackjacks. But he really sort of hit it lucky when he, uh, in 1998, when he tag-teamed up with Farouk initially to join the Acolytes, which at the time, you know, the wasn't anything special, but when they sort of morphed into the APA, I think they really hit gold yeah. then. We then, um, in 2002, we had the brand split for the first time, 
and uh, Farouk went to SmackDown, uh, Bradshaw went to Raw, and he got his first um, uh, singles run, which was also underwhelming. He uh, he got looked like he was going to get a bit of a spotlight because he was in the main event on Monday Night Raw with Steve Austin against the NWO. It's a sentence I never thought I'd be saying. <laughs> then um, you know he messed around with the the hardcore and the European title, but then the following year the APA were put back together, and they would have another run for the, you know about another year. And at that point. Um, Farouk was fired on SmackDown by um, by Paul Heyman. Uh, the acolytes were told before the match, or the AP were told before the match, that if they didn't win, they'd be fired, which Paul Heyman later cut, clarified to say, no, I didn't say you both would be fired. I just said that Farouk would be fired, and Farouk assumed that uh, Bradshaw would walk out with him. He refused to do so, and... The following week, uh, the new heel character JBL was born. No build-up, um, you know, nothing at all. So he went from one week being this beer-drinking bar fighter to the next week being suited and booted with the cowboy hat. He was now um, JBL. So there was no no promos, no vignettes, nothing to build build him up and he went straight into feud with Eddie Guerrero and main evented the Judgment Day pay-per-view which um, was Bradshaw's first time in the main event of a big show like that and it was an mm. absolute bloodbath of a match mm. to watch it it's you know quite unpleasant to watch and the, they then had a, a Texas bull rope match um, and he, uh, uh, the Great American Bash in June t- 2004, so th- and which which he won the championship. So in the space of three months from JBL debut, and he became became the WWE Championship. And I absolutely hated JBL as the WWE Champion. At first, I didn't think he was credible to be in that picture, and, and I loved Eddie. Um, but at the same time, you know, at that point, SmackDown was pretty low in t- viable challengers and talent, um, so they did need to build somebody up. And, and the story is that Eddie was struggling with the responsibility and the weight of being the champion, so it was a bit of a relief for him to pass the belt over. Um, I think over time, JBL uh, established himself as champion, but. Uh, also helped some others along the way like Eddie helped make JBL and the story goes and Bruce Pritchard talked about this in his podcast that Eddie seen making JBL as as a, a thing that he, you know, a challenge or a task that he was assigned as something he was going to do to the best of his ability and I think JBL did that for Cena and I know Cena's gone on to be a polarising figure but at that time in Smackdown when he won the championship, people loved Cena yeah um, uh, when I look back at JBL, one of the reasons that made me pick him is I, I just think he was a very good heel. Like I hated him, and I was supposed to hate him. Uh, he was a cool heel. He didn't try to get laughs. He just tried to be a heel. He wanted people to hate him. His mic work was was fantastic at the time, 
and he, he really took his opportunity and he really became that character um, so he was fantastic at that after they won the championship off Eddie they went uh, they had another another match but he then went on to feud with likes of The Undertaker Booker T and then a combination of um, Booker T Taker and Eddie uh, then at the Royal Rumble in 2005 had a triple threat match with Big Show and Kurt Angle and then a barbed wire cage match with the Big Show and he, he, you know, he, he did have like a lot of stipulation matches so we mentioned the Bill Rope match he had the last ride match the Undertaker this barbed wire cage match but he always found ways as a classic heel to retain them Usually, you know, bringing in you know his, his cabinet, which is not exactly an A-list cabinet with Orlando Jordan and the Basham brothers, mm-hmm. um, and Gillian Hall, of course. Who can't forget Gillian? So they were not exactly um, A-listers, and he, he got out of so many of those matches, like by the skin of his teeth, as well. There's a great spot in the barbed wire cage match where the Big Show chokes Lamzom through the ring, and then JBL is then able to sort of crawl out. Mm. underneath the ring and wins. So there's some clever booking that showed him like always just surviving, just getting through it. Um, when he dropped the title to Cena at WrestleMania 21, he got an epic entrance into that match, but it was 280 days that he held the championship for and he was for a long time referred to, or he held the, the accolade, of, accolade sorry, of being the longest reigning champion of SmackDown history, which is re- no, recently been passed by AJ Styles. Uh, one of the, you know, he he went on over time to have a couple of other shots at the championship, and he he almost, well, it looked like he he was going to be a two-time champion before Teddy Long came out, and he didn't put him in a tag team match. He didn't put him one on one with the Undertaker, but he announced that Batista had been drafted, so he wasn't going to be the champion. He was going to feud with uh, Batista, but. Um, that, you know, it did surprise me when I thought back on it, you know, nearly 16 years ago now, or 15 years ago now, rather, from when he dropped the title, that JBL was was only a one-time WWE champion. But he, you know, he really took his opportunity, I think, and um, really lived this this heel character, which was really easy to despise. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite a that's quite a shock considering you're saying like three months before that he was part of a tag team. Oh, he really mm. did very little. Yeah. And he was shot to the moon. I think he was you know, at the time I remember thinking, you know, I wasn't convinced by it, I didn't think he should have been there. Yeah. And you know, the championship helped to make JBL and sometimes that's what you need to do. Yeah. You know, sometimes the man helps make the championship. In this instance the championship helped to make the man. Yeah. Yeah, Dave, what do you think of JBL's title reign? Oh, uh, I got so frustrated every time he retained the championship because <laughs> this, was, this this was a time when I actually started watching SmackDown every every week. The first match I ever watched was JBL versus Eddie Guerrero in the steel cage match where Eddie did that frog splash. And as soon as I saw JBL, I'm thinking, I absolutely hate this character because like not as in like hate because it's bad like hate because it's bad but i hate it because he plays a very good villainous character like you know he's a a rich stockbroker you know he's good at wrestling and he looks down on every other citizen as you know second class citizens that just that riles me up like he knows how to push people's buttons when it comes to being a a villainous character i mean 
he actually held his own in the ring in some capacity, uh, obviously because he has, you know, he's had multiple championship runs in the past. But he, he, I think he, I think he basically did have a rocket strapped to his back uh, post WrestleMania 20 because you know SmackDown was lacking a lot of top-heavy heel characters at the time because obviously, you know, Kurt Angle was injured, Taker was. Uh, in a mid-card feud with Booker T, who had just been drafted. Like, there wasn't any sort of credible challengers to Eddie, so they kind of had to just sort of shoehorn him in there and hope that it would uh, hit off with the fans. And, you know, I think it's in some way it did. But the, the most frustrating part was how, just when you think you've got the deck stacked against him, you know, it's like banning the cabinet from ringside, uh, threatening him to vacate the championship if anybody got interfered, putting him in a, a barbed wire cage. There's literally no way to, to run away from this. And yet every single time he weasels his way out of it, he's like, he's one of those uh, cowardly paper champions who'll just look for any excuse uh, to walk away with the championship. And he, he just did it so, so well. And yeah. I think that's why his reign was so memorable. Yeah, I mean, he, Dan, one of the things you can definitely say about JBL is he, he took the opportunity and met me with those big shiny teeth that he had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, let's put it politely. He healed up that much. He's banned from Germany. That's how good he. Well, the, the Germany incident. Let Let's not really go into much about that. Actually, let's. Um, JBL knew how to draw heat from a crowd. That's your brilliant. Like every champ, you want to be able to say, yeah, they know how to get the right reaction from the crowd, whether it's a babyface pop or heel heat. You want that reaction from them. Good stepping, however, in Germany. Mm. Nope. Uh, so as a result, JBL is actually banned from Germany. I think still he can't go there. Uh, I mean, they did the whole thing of... I mean, there was a segment. Didn't he give Eddie's mum a heart attack? Hi. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that was... Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that was legit or not. Like he, yeah, yeah. I think it was storyline. No, no, no. Uh, it was true. Uh, she did end up having to take to the hospital. She had a panic attack in the ring. Oh, but it got was a, a heart attack. Uh, life imitated art. Oh dear. Um, this yeah. was at a live event as well. This wasn't like a a tape. Uh, it show. was in uh, El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if if you had a, a big if you had a big burly Texan like JBL approaching you, you probably would have that feeling with it. Um, yeah, that's one of the things as well, isn't it? Because like Dave's, you were right. You said he was he played that cowardly heel role, but he was a big man. Mm. You know, he is a big man. Uh, but yeah, he was able to make you think, oh yes, you know, I'm going to pay my money, I'm going to buy my ticket because I'm going to see whoever this good guy is whip his ass. In the same way, you know, some of the other heel champions that we mentioned already had that. You know, one of the best at doing it was Ric Flair. I remember how livid I was when I heard that Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble in yeah. '92 and won the championship. Um, you know, I just hated him, uh, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, definitely. One and who the- could forget Miz Girl? Oh uh, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly that. <laughs> so I would say that's a that's another good shout for her for a one-timer as well guys so what we're going to do now is we'll take a we're going to take a short break now and we'll be back soon and we're going to discuss all the other ones that none of us picked so there's quite a few of them in there so we'll get really good conversation to have after the break we'll be back soon 
Hello, I am the GOAT, David Campbell, and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel. And that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month, I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends. Eddie Guerrero with a gold in his hand. No! Eddie Guerrero measuring Brock Lesnar. The WWE Championship no. is on the line. No, Brock, watch out, watch your back. Lesnar to his feet. Wake up, have to wake up, ref. Eddie Guerrero measuring no. the champion. Oh, this for the championship. Jack to the midsection again, oh, and Eddie Guerrero oh, oh, oh. back to his knees. Lesnar so smart, so quick. And Brock Lesnar lifting Eddie I Guerrero. Told you, Cole. Here it comes, Cole. Bam, bam, Out of the goal. Out of the goal. Championship goal. He cheated. Eddie Guerrero cheated with that move. Come on, Eddie. Come on, Eddie. Eddie to the top rope. Eddie cheated. Frog splash. Frog splash. Come no. on, Eddie. Get it. Oh. Do it. Two. It's your boy Should D out here swag surfing in Scotland. And when I'm doing my thing, I like to think I do it in this order. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Let me run that back for you. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Remember the order. Listen to the show. Now you know. It's Should D for the 99-2000. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. 
Welcome back, guys. And today I'm with Gary, Dave, and Dan, and we are discussing one-time champions. So let's say that the, the first half of the show, we all had our picks and who we picked. Um, Dan, Eddie Guerrero, great choice. Dave with The Miz, myself with Ultimate Warrior, and Gary with GBL. So now we're going to talk about the best of the rest of them as well. So what I'll do, guys, is let's say I'll give you a run-through of guys who have been one-time champions, and we'll have a bit of a discussion about them and see what you think about them. So we've got guys such as Diesel, your superstar Billy Graham, Jinder, Dave's favourite. No, as in, <laughs> never mention that man's name uh, under WWE champions ever again. Dean Ambrose, Sergeant Slaughter, Jeff Hardy, Rob Van Dam, Mr. Chairman himself, Vince McMahon, Scott McCloud's favourite Kane, Rey Mysterio, Andre the Giant, Kofi Kingston, and I'm going to throw in a curveball here, guys, that we can talk about as well, which is Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Now, Ted, the, the story with uh, the Million Dollar Man is he bought the title off of Andre the Giant. So, does he get included in this or does he get wiped out the list? No. No. Like, because he's not officially recognized as champion. And it just goes to show, you know, you, you can't buy your way to, to accolades and stuff. What a great story that was. It was. The, the, the two Hebners, the crooked referee, um, Andre's, like, title reign he makes Kane's reign look like a, a long one so he gave the title up immediately it was just a brilliant story that set up the whole title tournament at Wrestlemania 4 yeah and DBRC falls into that category of ones that probably should have won it could have and should have won it yeah definitely definitely so let's go back to the the top of the list guys then Diesel surprised that Diesel only had the title once very surprised uh, yeah he and WWF he had you know he, a long reign it was like the guts of a year I think yeah. he was the champion yeah it was over a year yeah yeah um, won it very convincingly against Bob Backlund then lost the best there is the best there was the best there ever will be yep. the Hitman Hart he had plenty of you know go arounds at other challenges to the championship but came up short so that's a a surprise we think back when did when did Diesel leave WWF for WCW? Was it 96 or 96? Uh, it was 96, just after the curtain call. Like, and that, I think that's, that's probably the reason why he never had more than uh, one, because he just jumped ship to WCW yeah. straight after. Because uh, he lost the belt in Survivor Series 95 to Brett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dan, any guys in that list that I mentioned surprising to you? It's mainly just that the second one hasn't happened yet in WWE, but Jeff Hardy not having another WWE title is probably one of the big offenders because we all know he's gone on to have uh, multiple world title reigns and impact. Less said about one of them, the better, but he's still a multiple-time world champion. The only thing is, it's not in WWE. That's the only thing that kind of annoys me with it because I would love to see Jeff have the title again. I definitely think before he finishes up, he could have it. He has had two reigns with the gold belt. Sorry, well, I had that, but like I'm, I'm thinking more WWE wise because like while the while the big gold belt was good, to, like to me, the image that I automatically think of is Hardy with the WWE title. So there's a there's a couple of folk who fall into that category as well because like Rey Mysterio's name was mentioned. Rey mm. had runs with the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, the big gold belt. So there are a couple of names that's you know they're kind of like trick questions because yeah, yeah they, they have had multiple you know world championship reigns in WWE, but only one run with the WWE Championship. And I think uh, uh, Booker T is probably one that falls into that category, who's been the world heavyweight championship champion, but never the WWE champion. Yeah. yeah. 
So he's the one that stands out for you. The list would you say bigger? Uh, there's a couple there. There's a couple of transitional champions that you mentioned there. That you know, folk that got the belt for a period of time, just so they could facilitate it being passed on to somebody else. So Sergeant Slaughter very much falls into that category, and so does unfortunately superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. Because um, he, he, oh, I loved Billy Graham. Um, he, he, you know, he, he was one of the original characters, and and. Uh, influence some of the people that followed. So those are two that that jumped out for me um, in terms of the transitional champions. Yeah. You could argue Andre the Giant was one of them because yeah. his job mm. was you know, winning the belt was to facilitate uh, somebody else. Andre maybe falls into the category of people that never needed the championship anyway. Yeah. Um, sort of like Piper, sort of. Uh, his, 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 Andre's sheer presence was enough you know, to make him a superstar. He didn't need a world yeah. title to do that. Remember with Sergeant Slaughter, because in the Royal Rumble in 1992, the J- President Jack Tunney had set up this rule that uh, former WWF champions would, uh, would be able to draw their numbers between number 20 and number 30. So you got some of the sort of big guns coming out then, and you knew they were coming out then. Sergeant Slaughter was then into a face run by then. But he's another one that I just think you know, maybe you know when he got got his break at WWE in the main event picture, it was a bit too maybe he was a you know more miles in the clock behind him than he did ahead of him. Yeah. But he was another one that just surprised me because I don't recall him ever really having a program foggin afterwards for a rematch. No. So I don't really recall him ever getting another even just getting another crack at the championship. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Dave, what about you? Any guys in that list surprise you? Well, gender for a start, because he never should have been near the bloody thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> in preparation for you know picking JBL, and there was a parallel put in the different you know saying that arguing that gender was another attempt to do a JBL. Mm. What's your reaction to Should that? We have discussed this on past shows, and there is some parallels uh, between gender and JBL, but there are also some key differences. Uh, for one, gender, uh, JBL didn't have a, a 75% lose record, and you know at least JBL had some championship reigns under his wing. So, like, Gender Mahal was an experiment that went wrong. Like, that's that's all I'm going to say on the matter, and he never ever should have become WWE champion, let alone get three wins in a row over Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah. One guy I want to talk about a wee bit, guys, is someone who who left the company um, a year or so ago, and that's uh, Dean Ambrose as well. Dean being a one-time champion as Mm -hmm. well. Quite surprising, considering, you know, when he was... The Shield were, at one point, the biggest thing in the the company, Um, and all of them all had their shots at it. Roman had his shot. Seth had his shot. The two of them are still doing very well in the company. And Dean sort of got, you know, sort of, you know, whatever happened in terms of the politics side of things, which we've heard about on the pod Jericho's podcast they'd done with him, which was fantastic. Um, you guys surprised to see Dean in there as a, a one-time only? Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you could have had at least another one in there, but obviously a lot of the, like, I'm pretty sure two out of the three S.H.I.E.L.D. members won their first title well Ambrose is only one through money in the bank cash-ins but Roman was he won his first just from winning clean yeah I mean that cash-in the um the money in the bank cash-in that Ambrose did and Seth was pretty good mm. uh, that, I... that was enjoyable and and 
Ambrose got a pretty big spotlight on him when he was a champion because they did the, the second uh, brand extension then. So he was hot property as the WWE champion. I think he was the first man, first person drafted, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Seth, he was the first person drafted to SmackDown. Seth Rollins uh, was first drafted to Raw and they got first dibs. Yeah. So why would you not draft the champ? The champ? Uh, and he was like... Um, and then the Universal Championship came in after us, so he was the, you know, the big Charlie. And SmackDown back in 2016 was brilliant then. I loved SmackDown then. Um, they then mucked it all up with that bloody stupid um, uh, superstar shake-up thing. Mm. And I think that's when Ambrose lost some momentum, because he, was he not dra- drafted over to Raw? And I think he got uh, lost in the pack when he went there. Pretty sure that was the case, yeah. Yeah, and he, and he was out for he was out for best part of a year because of his uh, because of his injury. Yeah, mm. we've seen the shield reforming, um, and then Ambrose's heel run, which never really went anywhere, did it? It was that, it was that gas mask promo that just killed yeah. it dead in the water. Hey, Ab- Ambrose was a. Uh, that character was ahead of its time in this day and age. The sort of entrance yeah. he had, his entrance he had was pretty cool back then. I quite liked it that you described about Bane. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I kind of liked that. But yeah, you're right about the promo, Daniel. It was, yeah, yeah. He, he was sort of floundering since then, and he's an int- he's an interesting one to debate. If like if he was still there, would he be in? Do, do we imagine him being a multiple-time champion by now? I probably would say no. No, I think he would have went to the IC title, sort of. Mm. Just the way, the way the WWE were booking him that last wee while, yeah. I think he would be either IC, US, or even just it, they, they'll find some excuse to reunite him and Seth and put him in the tag title scene. Just, yeah. I don't think... It, it wasn't working well, because when you look at his title run, he had good matches. I mean, he worked with Ziggler for the first bit of his, his run. And the two had some good matches. Uh, and then... Trying to, re- trying to recall how he... Like, who was he lost it to? Who was he lost AJ it to Styles. AJ, AJ Styles. AJ like, like, obviously, there's a good pairing right there, Dean and AJ. Then... Uh, nothing much really happened afterwards. I think... Pretty sure he was in the Elimination Chamber... Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year then he had the match with Baron Corbin which didn't even get on the main card at Wrestlemania yeah, so, he, he was a naughty boy at the Hall of Fame that's why yeah sneaky yeah so but I, it was only recently I found out when Neville left WWE being on the pre-show doesn't mean you get the royalties from the DVD sales for Wrestlemania because then they're, they're selling as far as they're concerned Wrestlemania the pay-per-view so that's why Neville left because he missed out on the WrestleMania royalties. Same with Austin Aries. That's why he left. Mm. Yeah. So we can pretty much say that Dean won't be back to do a to try and become a two-time champion. Nah. <laughs> no, I think he's he's adamant he's not going to return to, yeah. to WWE because I remember he got paid peanuts for those for his last match when he was teaming with the Shield. But a couple thousand dollars, been... I think. Oh no, was... it wasn't even that. It was five hundred. Oh what? Yep, less than a thousand. And that, that's the thing. Dean Ambrose wouldn't last as a, a two-time or multiple-time champion in WWE, but I think John Moxley could. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. 
between uh, well, that's the difference between Jonathan Good's characters. Ambrose wouldn't make it. Moxley would. It's interesting because, like uh, in WWE, you know, some people have done, you know, had some big fallouts with with Vince over the years, uh, and they've been able to reconcile. That I don't think anybody would have thought that Bruno San Martino would have put their issues behind them. That. Um, that the Ultimate Warrior would yeah. eventually come back, the Brett as well. But the, you know, there's this new batch, um, and I actually think Chris Jericho maybe falls into this category. They're not just burning their bridges, they're petrol bombing them yeah. behind them. And I, I hope that that's not the case because both, you know, that Jericho deserves to be recognised and enshrined in the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah. Um, but. That feels like a bit of a leap, just yeah. from where we're sat just now. Yeah. One guy I wanted to sort of also talk about as well was um, Kofi Kingston. Now, when he won the belt, mm. such an amazing, amazing opportunity for him. You know, he had it, he had it for a good while. Do you ever see Kofi getting the belt back, or else is he firmly in with the new day in the tag team? Uh, oh, I think the tag team division now. The way he's been booked, I think, I think he. I, I really hate saying this as well because it was the most natural build uh, to WrestleMania 35 and it was the best feel-good story they've done since Daniel Bryan's uh, uh, Miracle on Bourbon Street storyline. But I think Kofi's just been so embroiled with the New Day over the last five years that, you know, this is him at his best, you know, when he's interacting with Xavier Woods and Big E. And I know people are saying, you know, Big E should be going on a singles run. He should be like a, a world champion by now. And I, I get that. But these guys are sort of like, you know, the much more like PG friendly version of the Shield, where, you know, they're the most recognized trio in WWE and they're one of the longest serving uh, three person teams. So I, I think Kofi, uh, I, I don't see management giving Kofi another singles run. I think they need to keep him with the New Day. Yeah. I think Dave's right. I think WWE management would say Kofi was never supposed to be the WWE champion. They they gave him the run. And when he was the when he was the champion he had, um you know, he had some good victories along the way, but then, you know, he was squashed in that match on the the actually coming up for the first year anniversary of that match now when he lost the debut episode of uh, of uh, Smackdown and Fox and he's never been close to the title picture again I mean don't mention rematch so it was an interesting story sort of through the week as well where it was reported that the New Day had turned down the opportunity for Kofi to go on to Raw as a singles Big E to be on Smackdown as a singles and Xavier to manage the both of them but them still to be branded as the New Day. Um, it's interesting if that was true. It's interesting mm-hmm. that they said no to it. Um, I hope they did. Yeah, I don't like the idea. I like the brand separation to be brands separated. I, you know, this brand to brand invitational nonsense can stop as far as I'm concerned. But I think Kofi, I think WWE would say he was never supposed to be. They went with it, gave us an amazing moment at WrestleMania. Kofi Mania was fantastic. I think it's unfortunate for Kofi, but. Um, that he, I think, is really unfortunate yeah. for Kofi that he probably will never get another shot. Mm. Yeah, I agree. The, basically, they recognised his dues at WrestleMania 35. You know, for 11 years of service, this is like 
that was his moment, you know, to have a go at being a main event player. I think yeah. it just, I think it just fell below expectations in some aspect. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you ran the company, would you make yourself champion? Well, <laughs> it's probably the best segue we can give into this one because I know exactly who you're talking about, and my answer would be no, I wouldn't, because my focus would be if. I'm running a company, I want to push the people who I'm going to put in the ring. I don't want to push myself. I don't want to go down uh, a theme that seems to run through people named Vince. Because it happened with Russo. It also happened with the guy that you're about to talk about. Yep. Mr. McMahon. Gary, would you? Probably not as champion, but I probably would put myself to to cop off with Tony Wilson. Aye, like you done, done. He played a blinder there, didn't he? Yeah. Mr. Hockney, I know you would definitely book yourself a champion if you ran the company. Uh, but why would you assume that? Like, no, yeah. I'd be in the same boat as Daniel. Uh, <laughs> my focus, my focus, would be on making the best product possible. You know, if I'm going to shoehorn my way in there, like, I'm not going to come across as a popular guy. Uh, I have to remain completely impartial. But if I did get the chance to make out with Tory Wilson, yeah, I'm all for it. He would Happy. also book Jinder Mahal as the light heavyweight champion. Just <laughs> <laughs> fire Jinder. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. You know what? I think, I think if booked the right way, he'd make a good twenty-four-seven champion. <laughs> so the last two guys that we haven't spoke about here is RVD and Kane, two guys that I was surprised to see. But obviously, like we mentioned, they have had um, other titles as well during their time in the in the, in the company. As well, surprised to see him on it. Um, Kane, yes, but as you say, he has had the World Heavyweight Championship um, as a and the ECW Championship, if you can class that in that category. Um, but the RVD probably needs, you know, if he doesn't wake up most days and kick himself for squandering the opportunity that he had, because he was the ECW and the WWE Champion at the t- same time, that match he won against Cena at one night stand was fantastic. I loved you know, the atmosphere when Cena would throw his shirt into the crowd and the crowd would <laughs> back at him over and over. Uh, and RVD, for me, could have been the WWE champion before, long before he actually got it. And mm. I thought, maybe a wee bit like Kofi, that the time had passed him. Um, but they went with him and he proved uh, proven that he was not trustworthy as the champion yeah. so he was ne- never going to get another chance at it as far as I was concerned yeah but he, it was mainly a case of they saw him as a guy who was like here's a guy who likes a bit of the marijuana so let's uh, let's just have him be this cool guy he doesn't say much he calls everyone dude and that was it then he jumps ship to impacts and he starts cutting very eloquent promos and like, here's the thing, RVD is a brilliant talker. The problem was WWE never gave him that chance. They kept him in mid-card and tag title scenes. The push for ECW, that was because obviously they knew it was coming up and they wanted it to be a big name with ECW. They knew who was heavily featured at that point. So Van Damme was you know, probably one of the best choices they had. Then he goes against Cena, has that match, which I also remember for the added nugget of John Cena's entrance because... It's one of those rare occasions where Cena doesn't showboat. He just walked down the aisle, holding the title above his head, and just head down the entire time. Just completely blanking everyone out. Just like, I'm here doing my work. Screw you guys. Uh, Van Damme then 
getting awarded the ECW title, it all totally was not telegraphed in SmackDown vs. Raw 2006's season mode. Just going to point that out there. Um, <laughs> I guess, I'm hoping you guys get the reference to that, right? <laughs> I understood that reference. Good, good. Like, it's... I feel that RVD could have had a good run. Like, I think he probably could have held it up until... Uh, December to Dismember, even though less said about that show, The Bear. Um, or even at earliest Survivor Series, he could have held it to about there. Uh, obviously, him and Sabu were uh, naughty boys and got caught by the police, so they had to get the title off him, and then it went to it went to Big Show. And yeah, moving on. Yeah. I mean, if Big Show had never become the ECW champion, we would have never had Ric Flair rolling about in thumbtacks on ECW. Uh, or, don't, don't forget, The Undertaker on ECW. Did so, that happen? Yeah. yeah, Taker and Big Show on ECW. Oh, I, no, I, I was thinking Batista. Because I know, I know Change that Change the right. channel. Yeah. <laughs> that's why but I didn't realise Undertaker was on ECW. That I completely forgot. Yeah. I Even think... had DX were in ECW at one point mm-hmm. as well, didn't they? The, yeah, I wrestled, was it but yeah, I think if, if RVD's title reign is anything to go by, or if there's any message you want to take away from that is don't do drugs. Not even the devil's letters. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Right guys, I wanted to sort of turn it over a wee bit as well and talk about some of the one-time Universal Champions that we've got now, because these guys are still active on the roster. Um, and just to see if we see these guys sort of potentially, you know, becoming two-time champs and moving over to the, the big title as well. So we've got the three one-time Universal Champions that we've got are Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman and Finn Balor. Three big guys in the company now. One of the first ones I want to talk about was, we'll start at the top there, Kevin Owens. Um, do you think he could become one of those? Do you think they've sort of missed the boat with him? I I think they've missed the boat with him now. Like, because he's... Triple H is very high on Kevin Owens, you know, because he, he's not the sort of same cut of cloth superstar that you're accustomed to, because, you know, he's obviously a bit of, the, sort of a bigger lad, and but yet he can still do moves that, you know, most cruiserweights can do. Uh... And he's dynamite on the mic. I, I honestly don't see why they haven't given Kevin Owens multiple world title reigns. Like, the guy yeah. is such an infectious character. And, you know, the the methods, you know, he carried out, you know, for his uh, his goals, as it were, you know, he wants to put food on the table for his family. You know, he's, he's a family man, even though his methods are a little bit, a little bit devious. It's a reason to get behind him. Yeah. And that's why he was so universally adored. I honestly don't see how how they've only given him one world title reign as a result. And I don't know if it's because, you know, Vince doesn't like the look of him and stuff, but it's, if Triple H is a fan of him, then, and we're all fans of him, he needs to have at least a few more. Yeah. He's certainly got time on his side, but I would Hmm. probably, if I had to put money on it now, I'd probably say we've seen the last of Kevin Owens with the big championships. his, you know, he was thrust into the championship picture, the Universal Championship picture. Uh, he was never supposed to be there, and you know, some some of the people we've talked about tonight were never supposed to be there, but they they took their chances and went with it. Um, you know, the Owens um, was incredibly hot last summer, 
and the SummerSlam Toronto match with Shane McMahon. He was like at that point one of the hottest things in the company and if they were going to strike that's when they should have struck then. Now he's firmly in the mid card yeah. and suffers from 50-50 booking. Yep. Um, one of the other guys, Dan, I think his time has passed as well. They're, they're too late booking him as Braun Strowman. Do you agree with that? It's my problem with Braun Strowman's title run is just more how they booked him. Yeah. Like, I think, see, he had that run just there gone a lot better than just solely based around Bray Wyatt and then ending it with uh, like the way they, the way they, I'll be honest, the, the way that Roman won the title. I am very half and half about it because oh. on the one hand it's you know probably one of the best things he could have done to introduce this heel Roman mm. to everyone but at the same time Braun only had one storyline really as Universal Champion and that was Bray Wyatt you look at the roster imagine Braun and AJ Braun yeah. and AJ I think could have probably pulled off a brilliant main event together Braun mm. could have even you know, if you wanted to reintroduce Jeff Hardy into the world title picture, I'd, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have had Jeff take it off Braun. Like I'd even go as far to do that. But with how Strowman's title reign went there, I think unfortunately it's going to be a, a, a while before he gets the title again. If yeah. they give him it, I think it's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah, Dave, what are you thinking about Braun? I seen your, you made a funny face when I said his times. I think his times went. Mm. No, I disagree with that. I think, you know, as Daniel said, his book, he was done dirty with his booking. Like, because I think we all knew that the ending was going to be he's going to drop it to Bray Wyatt. We just didn't know when. I mean, he, yeah. did, he did sort of have that feud with Miz and Morrison, but that just felt a bit childish and stuff. It was like an episode of yeah. Jackass or Pranked and stuff. And it was a bit, it was a bit far-fetched in some cases. But I honestly think if Braun had a more diverse array of challengers and he, he just steamrolled through the lot of them, that would have been perfect you know just keep delaying the fiend keep delaying bray wyatt's return you know because he was off tv for some time bray wyatt that's kind of why they brought in the miz and morrison uh feud as well like and this is the way i've always this is how i really became a fan of braun Strowman when he first broke away from the wyatt family and he got drafted to raw he basically just steamrolled through yeah. absolutely everybody he got yeah. He got fed into the Survivor Series team, which meant, you know, people were starting to think think of him as a big deal. And then when he started getting more and more competition, people just started to fall in love with him. And yeah. if they had just done the same with that Universal title run, I think it would have been a bigger success. But I think they need to rectify this. I think he needs like another run with the title as this full-blown monster heel that he's uh, sort of been reincarnated into. Yeah. I kind of agree with Daniel in this one. I... Um... I think they missed the boat with Braun. Yeah. Braun had a chance a lot before he got the championship. The, the WWE could have put the trigger on him and they didn't. And it took a pandemic for them to do so. And uh, unfortunately, he became collateral damage mm. in, um, in the coronation or, or the reintroduction of, of Roman. I agree with the boys at the points about the fiend. I don't understand why the fiend wants to be the champion. Um, the fiend shouldn't be near the championship, as far as I'm concerned. There's not a compelling reason for why he wants to be the champion there. And the feud was just fucking boring. It dragged on for so bloody long. 
all these stupid cinematic matches which I'm fed up of, of seeing. I mean, Braun got drowned in one of the matches. Um, and also, he stole his hair, which is criminal, uh, very painful. Yes, um, if, we can, if we can both vouch for and um, Dave as well. Um, there's uh, just just a boring, boring feud, and it just went on for too long, and I agree with the boys, there were a hundred better ways to have booked Braun. I would have much preferred to have seen the fresh challengers rather than him working his way through, through the Wyatt family, Bray, Art attack Bray and then on to the fiend and it was just it was just too slow and uh, painful and boring and oh uh, yeah and I, I you think you really got Art Attack Bray as a, as a trend now haven't you Gary? Uh, it's Campbell's think Campbell's handiwork there. All right, uh, the great man himself. Um, Not me, the yeah. other one. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, of course, yes, David Campbell, the greatest of all time. Um, do you see all things Japanese wrestling? <laughs> call himself the new face of fe- feminism as well. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the SSR, SSR champion. Women's champion. Going <laughs> <laughs> back to point then. Um, do you, David? I know know your answer to this, but do you see Braun getting a getting a title push? Then I, I think Dave, you already said you would like to see it. Do you think it will happen? I would like to see it, and I hope he does get it, and I think he will get it. Maybe sometime next year. Dan, what do you think? I'd say probably the same kind of time scale in the next year. Probably is when he'll get it. Not not anytime soon, like in the immediate future. But I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe SummerSlam next year. Yeah, Gary. Uh, not anytime soon. No. no. Bye. I I don't think I don't think we'll see it anytime soon either. Um, I would like to see him get it again, um, but I don't see. I'd like to see him get a definite push into the into the main title match as well. Um, so the last one out of the Universal Championship is um, who won it, Finn Balor, who's now obviously doing very well in NXT, went back to NXT um, and is doing very well for himself. Um, obviously his title reign got cut short with his, with his injury as well. So um, guys, do you see Finn doing anything or do you think he'd be quite happy just to sit and well, not just sit, but be in Florida and NXT all the time now? He's got a pretty sweet, you know, pretty sweet deal at NXT because you know, live, you know, there's worse places to live in Florida. If you're on the NXT roster, you don't have to travel that far. The house show loop is all generally within that state. They do occasional ones outside it when they were able to do it. Mm. So there are worse schedules to have yep. <laughs> <laughs> along the way. So, you, but you know, he he is an asset to WWE and our. WWE fully monetizing that asset at the mobile. Well, obviously, at the moment, they can't really tour as much, but are they fully monetizing that asset uh, with them on NXT? I would probably say no, so I can imagine them moving. As long as he's under contract with WWE, WWE in due course may wish to move yeah. him back onto Raw or SmackDown. Um, and I think he would be. A very credible champion. Yeah. Dave? I think NXT is the place for him. Because like, we remember, you know, he was originally the longest uh, NXT champion before Adam Cole. And, yeah. you know, he's now only one of three other men to be a two time NXT champion. Like, NXT is his battleground, and he's the one where he will stand out as the top star. I think with Raw or SmackDown, he just became another 
another face in the crowd. His injury didn't help him either, so he didn't have that much time to reconnect with fans and stuff. So, and the, uh, the, the only time we ever saw Finn Balor on the Raw of SmackDown, everybody was asking, oh, when's the demon coming back? When's the demon coming back? And I've seen reports as well, like, you know, people were saying that the demon became a curse for Finn Balor and it basically ruined Balor because more people were interested than the demon. Yeah. In the same way, you know, they were treating the two of them as two different people, even though they're technically mm. the same person. Yeah. Like, even in the WWE video games, uh, Demon Balor had an overall rating of 93, and Finn Balor himself only had, like, 88. So We know the answer to the question, Dave, is next time they go to Saudi Arabia is when the Demon would come back. Hmm. Honestly, they'll, they'll throw any kind of money just to bring the, the Demon out of his shell. But, yeah, yeah in Finn Balor, uh, Finn Balor on his own stands out more in NXT whereas on Raw Smackdown people will be more interested in the demon yeah Dan you agree with that? I would, I would agree with that as well because with like my with Balor I'm happy seeing him in NXT because I feel Balor was used better in NXT the only really great match he has ever had on the main roster in my mind is TLC with AJ Styles that was the match that just knocked out the park. You could maybe even throw in the title match with Lesnar as well because they had a really good back and forth in that one. Yeah. Because uh, I, I do in my mind, like, if they still want to do like the tri-brand, you know, champion versus champion match at Survivor Series, I am so hoping that AJ gets the... Well, either Roman or AJ is universal champion by that point, just so we can have Balor, McIntyre, and any one of those two and a triple threat because I yep. think that would be good um, as for Balor's universal title reign obviously unfortunately it got cut short the way it did uh, Karrion Cross, unfortunately also recently a victim of that as well yeah uh, near enough exactly same injury uh, it's I think Balor could have gone on to good things but it's probably better now that he's waited by this time and now he's NXT champion again I'm, I'm much happier seeing him there yeah I love Finn Balor the first time I seen Finn Balor was um, in the garage he came out as a demon for ICW um, where he about eight years ago me and two of my mates went before, um, just when it was sort of just just went to the garage and he lost the Zero G title to Mark Coffey that night and that was after that he signed for the WWE pretty much that was his last that was the last time he was in mm. his last match in ICW and it was incredible how he came out um, I would love to see him back challenging again for the main title however I do agree with Dave and Dan what they said there I do think he's more suited to NXT at the moment um, but guys would you same question that I asked you for um, Ron and Kevin Owens as well would you like to see him come back in and challenge for the main one or else you're quite happy for him to sit in um, NXT well not sit but to compete in NXT Gary? Um, I think I, th- I think I can see Finn Balor being a main world champion, if I can put it that way. Yeah, yeah, he ha- he definitely has the potential to be a main world champion, but I think it has to be just Finn Balor. It can't be the Demon. Yeah. Dan? I would say, like, I'm happy with Finn to be in NXT just now. If they do move him to another brand, it needs to be in the wall title feud. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you definitely agree with you there now guys one guy that we haven't spoke about um, yet which we're going to have a bit of time to speak about now is the current champion Scotland's very own Drew McIntyre yes now 
Um, first of all, his title reign so happy, well, obviously due to the current climate and stuff. Like he's quite happy with how he's um, how he's been booked and how he's performing. And where do you see him going from here? Do you see him dropping it anytime soon? Do you see him, you know, getting it back again? Do you think he'll be a back and forth champ? Mm. I think I think he's done quite well, actually. You know, because I mean, I don't know if we're just talking from a biased perspective because we're basically a, a Scottish audience here, but I think you know, it, the only thing bigger than that. Uh, pop from a Scottish audience from when he won the title was probably when he won the Royal Rumble and I think that moment you know I think they had decided you know he's going to be the new top guy but I never imagined he'd make such a good face champion never mind like a because he's been pretty much a heel for most of his career and you know I think yeah in the circumstances he's carried himself very very well you know, he's had some solid matches with Seth Rollins, with Randy Orton, and I think he even got a half-arsed uh, attempt out of Dolph Ziggler as well, in, in, to an extent. <laughs> uh, I think this feud with Randy Orton as well, I think he's close to dropping it fairly soon. But if we can get a full match between Drew and Keith Lee somewhere down the line, but still keep Drew as like a face character, I think this has the potential to... like be something truly special but yeah drew drew's done an excellent job as is, as a champion i would i would definitely back up that as well like you look at drew obviously has had the unfortunate distinction of being like WWE champion in the midst of the pandemic but you look at how well he's carried himself like despite that you know he's not let that slow him down at all he's gone out like cut brilliant promos on the mic he's went and had you know the best matches he can possibly have like Drew has done very, very well. I would like to think that if Drew is to drop the title soon, that he does have more reigns. Because I, you know, I, I would like to, I'd like to most see Drew get to maybe four or five reigns. But I think he's got plenty more gas in the tank, so he, you know, he'll have plenty of room for more reigns. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I struggle to find anything to fault Drew with so far. I am. Um, I think he's really improved as as a mate in the mic and his character work. He's um, kept being the champion at a difficult time. One of the things I've heard cri- levied or criticism levied at him is, uh, his title reign so far is that he's not main evented any pay per views since then uh, since he won the championship. But he's pl- pl- that's because you've had the gimmick matches, the cinematic matches, Money in the Bank. Um, all those Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman matches, um, Roman Reigns returning at SummerSlam. He's played second fiddle to them for kind of logical reasons, or second fiddle in the eyes of some people. I don't think that's how I would describe that. I hope Drew, Drew gets to run longer with the belt. If he drops it, I hope it's to facilitate him winning it back in a bigger stage. Yeah. Because uh, I, you know, I felt for for him enormously when he he won that at WrestleMania 36 and the the documentary showing the sort of roller coaster how he was back back home back here in Scotland and had to be quickly almost thrown back on a plane to get him back to America in time to make sure he made it in. Yeah. Um. I think um. It's just such a shame that his crowning moment came in a 
an empty arena. Yeah, mm. that is, that's not to say you know he didn't get the uh, the standing ovation that he deserved, even though you know we weren't all right next to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that'd be a good one to do, Gary. If he does drop the belt, I'd like to see him win it on a grander stage when all the fans are back in. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, guys, I think that's pretty much everything that we've, we've spoke about tonight. Um, so, just to like next week, um, the show is um, a look back at NXT Takeover Respect with our own Stevie Wilson. So, Steve is going to be coming next week with you for that. So, all I can say is thank you to my panel. Thank you to Gary. Thank you. Thanks to Dan. Thank you. Thanks and cheers, Dave. Thank like you. Thank you. Yeah, you guys, and we'll be back soon. We'll see you soon. Stop whatever you are doing right now. You've only got one choice. This is Billy Kirkwood. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Get on it! Sports Social Podcast Network.